Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are continuing with the power rankings and heading to the outfield for the first time. We're going to go start in right field because we're going to read right to left for some reason. Uh, I'm really interested in this one. I just realized I made a plunder of my list and I just had to redo part of it. So we're going in a little bit blind. How are we doing today, boys? Doing good. I think I think this is one of the most stacked positions of baseball, if not the most stacked position. I think the top five guys are all have all been the best in baseball once in their career. And that should say something about the depth at this position. I mean, um, what, like, out of the players I'm looking at right now, three of them have won MVP, and the other one is, in the last couple years, has been in the conversation because he's just that good, but sucks normally. How does that work? Well, let's play guess the player, Steph. <laughs> yeah. Who is Steph? <laughs> For the viewers, guess who Steves is referring to, because I have no idea what he's talking about. There's just got to be a grain of salt or something there. There almost has to be, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to kick it off with some honorable mentions. Who you guys got? Uh, I am still working. Um, Who do you got, Tom? You go first. I feel like a guy that, that usually gets ignored is uh, Adolis Garcia. I don't know if he made your top 10. Did he make your top 10? Stevs? Okay, so it probably made steps, but he, this is a guy um, who does not have the plate approach of a veteran, obviously. Doesn't strike, doesn't walk, strikes out a ton, but that's kind of his approach to the plate. He's a power hitter, uh, speed threat now, um, good glove in the field. He's pretty complete. Um, obviously not not like one of the best, and I think he has to kind of develop a discipline tool to be considered one of the better outfielders in baseball. And this is one of the most stacked positions in baseball, keep in mind. Um, but I think his value to the Rangers is is pretty significant, so I think he deserves an honorable mention. I agree there. He's also making a heavy transition from center field to right field, and we kind of saw the beginning of that last year with the call-up of Leody Tiveras. Uh, last year, he was 12% above league average. Like, the bat's solid, but it just screams average or, like, just slightly above average, which is fine. Like, above, like slightly above average bat with good defense can produce a lot of value, especially for the Texas Rangers who don't have much outfield depth. That's yeah, fair. I- I like his home run numbers too. I mean, obviously those are just the ones that stick out to you the most. Steps, yeah. you um, well, for me, it's a guy. So I was, I was teetering with this guy because on every single list that I have seen, especially even Aiden's like two minute list, he made it at 10. And I don't, I personally don't see what everyone else sees at him. Um, And it's Hunter Renfro. I don't, I don't see what everyone sees in him. Maybe you guys have him, and maybe you guys can enlighten me on that. But his percentiles are nothing crazy. He has a 255 average. His WRC plus is very good at 124, and his OPS is very good at 807. But past that, it, it's just nothing super crazy, and I don't, I don't see it. I was going to find the list. Okay, uh, I'm there with Renfro. I made a plunder, and Renfro was my 10, but now he is technically my 11. Okay. Um. I like Hunter Renfro. I think his outfield defense gets a little bit overrated just because of how good his arm is. Uh, the glove's actually pretty horrible, but his glove is, or his arm is fantastic. Uh, he's like the definition of a slugger, if that makes sense. Like his OPS isn't too high, but it's just carried by slug slugging percentage being the top ten percent of the league. Um, yeah, that's really just 
kind of Hunter Renfro in a nutshell. Uh, Tom, did did you have him in your list or? He's just in my honorable mentions. Okay. There was one more guy I kind of wanted to talk about, and this is not like I have. I have I three more I want to talk about. So. Okay, I don't think this guy's an honorable mention. Brad, no, you no, talked no. about. Yeah. Brad, you talked about this guy being not an honorable mention on your list, and it's Max Kepler because this is a case that's very confusing to me. Why yeah. are his Statcast advanced stats so unbelievably good, and why is he not good on the field? You look at his. He 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 walks a ton, doesn't strike out, has high exit velocity, has a great glove in the outfield has an above-average speed, has an above-average expected Woba, but he bats, what is it, like 222 with a 666 227. OPS. He bats 227 with a 666 OPS, a 249 BABIP, has a 95 WRC+, plus, but he is an amazing glove. He has 12 outs above average. I mean, you can tell right there the BABIP is showing bad signs of luck, but if you keep continuing that, it's kind of more of a reflection of the player than just bad luck. Yeah, but I mean, the Max Kepler is a guy that I thought was much older than he actually is. He's only 29. I, I thought he was in his mid-30s, just based on how long he's been in the league. But he's been in the league since 2015. Obviously, in 2019, I think that was when he had that really good season. I think he had like 30-something home runs, 36 home runs. Um, we haven't really seen that form of him, but I don't know. Th these these advanced metrics are just really surprising because if you do a blind look at this, you would expect those statistics to be in that all-star category, but this is just not that. Yeah. It kind of, it's just some people it doesn't add up, especially with like when he cannot hit fastballs at all. Um, I think that probably has a big impact of it. And I think he's a guy that might come from the fact when he hits the ball, he squares it up some of the time. And that really pads like some expected things. And you look at it like his quality of contact. It's okay. Like expected batting average is a lot higher than the actual, which again suggests bad Babbitt. But I'm just not that high on Max Kepler because even though his 2019 was really good, it was the juiced ball era and he was really carried by home runs. So I'm going to take that 2019 with a grain of salt. That's fair. Um, I want to mention two more guys. They're kind of, well, young in the terms of MLB. Uh, Say Suzuki and Oscar Gonzalez. Um, Oscar Gonzalez, we saw flashes. Uh, throughout the season and in the playoffs, he really kind of stepped up when they needed him to. But I think he just needs to kind of put things together, play for an entire season, and see how things go. Say Suzuki is uh, kind of one of the cornerstones now in Chicago, and I just kind of I wanted to mention him. I I hope that either these guys are in your list, or you're just trying not to have too many honorable mentions. But I also had Anthony Santander and Mitch Haniger as honorable mentions. Anthony like, Santander is uh, on my list. Yeah, like um, he, he it was it was him or Renfro for ten until I realized I made the mistake. Yeah, no, I, like, I have Santander on my list, but Mitch Haniger, Mitch Haniger, when he's on the field, will produce. And his yeah. last season, his last full season, he was incredible. And then the yeah. season before that, he was injured. But I think the season before that, he was incredible again. So yeah. when he's on the field, he's very good. I'm just hoping it's the just Giants can F. maximize that. Yeah, yeah, that's why he didn't make my list. I wasn't Let's sure say. if we'd get a full season. So Mitch Haniger, Mitch Haniger would probably be my eleven though. For me, Santander was – it was difficult to exclude him. Like, obviously, he's a very streaky player. Like, he gets very hot, very cold. Uh, he had a sneaky 33 home run season, which I found fairly impressive. Uh, he just screams middle 700s OPS type guy, which isn't horrible. But, again, it's nothing exceptional. He had a 120 WRC+, plus, but only a 2.5 F4, which suggests really bad defense. And Baseball Savant backs that up. So – Again, good baseball player. I just think there's a couple other options that are better than him. All right, you guys ready to kick it into number 10? Yeah. All right, Steph, let's kick it off. That's where I had Adolis Garcia. 
I, I like Adolis Garcia, and Tom mentioned it. If he can fix his approach to the plate, he will be a very, very good player. And he's gotten better through the two full seasons that he's played in Texas. Um, just you can tell on the field, uh, by, based on every metric, he has gotten a lot better. And I think hopefully he will continue that and continue to put good seasons together to to keep growing and getting better. That's fair. So is this um, more of a he's a good and he's in your top 10 or you're forecasting him to be a top 10? I think he's good and I'm forecasting him. Like I think through the offseason, he will have tweaked his approach slightly and will he he to start off the season, he's gonna come out the gates hot. You know, my, my number 10 is probably controversial because you know Anthony Santander is on my list and he's not a 10. Uh, he's at nine. That's not shocking. But like number 10 for me is Starling Marte. I think he's a good bat in the Mets lineup. A uh, little bit on the older side. I'm curious to see how he does in his age. I think it's 35 season coming up. He's still got the bat. Um, obviously a down year defensively, which is surprising considering he's been one of the better outfielders in baseball over his career. Uh, do I think it's a bit of a fluke like some other uh, one season outs above average? Uh, problems yes I, th I think that is the case uh still stealing base at a high level i, I think he fits perfectly as number 10 uh just because that age might be a factor for him uh you're starting to see a little bit of slowing down but not much from him so enter brad's hot take oh no at number 10 we have lars newt bar no i fucking sorry i knew it so fantastic name first of all so he scores brad points there um brad you know he's gonna is he, he he's playing for team japan right he's playing for netherlands I i'm pretty thought. sure i'm oh. pretty sure he's playing for team japan he, yeah, that sounds right there, yep. was, there was a thing and i looked him up hold on give me two seconds um his middle name is taylor tatsuji nice so his name is lars taylor tatsuji new bar that's another brad point might as well Very make him cool, three man. at this point um <laughs> So Lars Newtbar is a fantastic baseball player, which really surprised me. Like I always thought it was just like Cardinals bias fans love him. Percentiles are off the charts for one, uh, which is really surprising. He walks 14.7% of the time, which allowed his on base percentage to be 112 points higher than his average. Uh, I literally wrote this strategy and be like, oh, his average is low. Boo-hoo. His defense is borderline elite. His arm strength is in the 94th percentile. It's 64th percentile for fielding, 74th for speed. His ex-WOBA and WOBA are elite, uh, 342 and 346 expected, a competitive barrel rate. And he's just a pretty good baseball player who doesn't get any recognition. That's that's fair. I I honestly did have him like he was within my top fifteen to twenty like when I was narrowing it down. So I'm I'm not upset about that. It's just again based on Brad metrics, he is an incredible player. But based off step metrics, he is a below average player. I mean, I the reason I didn't have him on my list is one not that big of a sample size quite yet, and two he's very young. Well, he's not young, but he's like a, not not yeah, not yeah. old enough. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But like. It's another question that, like, this guy's percentile rankings are kind of jumping out at me. He does walk a ton, doesn't strike out, strikes out less than leave at league average. It, it, he looks like a great batter. Um, I just hope it starts translating into some real stats. I mean, you see it in the OPS, hovering around 800 in a rookie season is not bad at all. So yeah. I, I hope that starts to translate. Yeah, especially with a, a bad Babbitt, too. Yeah, and this is their everyday right fielder now, right? Yep. Okay, good. So he'll be taking over out there. I think, given more playing time, I think, I think going into the season, it's hard for me to put him on this list just because he's so young in the sample size. But I think by the end of the season, he will easily be on this list. I think the fact that I was just that 
impressed by the sample size like that it was so small but it was so good yeah so that's 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 where he makes my number 10 all right number nine tom you obviously started talking about it uh yeah i might be a little biased because i kind of i kind of like it when switch hitters have like some pop at the plate um plus i don't know if we talked about this but all the expected stats say that he didn't get very lucky last season um with every single expected stat being noticeably higher than his actual stats um, this is also a guy that went from the bottom eighth percentile to just above league average and walks in a matter of one season. So he's he's changing his approach to the plate, cut down on strikeouts as well, and then managed to also gain power while also fixing that approach of the plate. Barrels up the ball pretty consistently. And I think he's one of the difference makers on this Oriole team. Obviously, you got a lot of new guys coming in, so maybe the spotlight being off him might make him a little more comfortable too. Um, I like yeah. that. I like Santander. Like I feel right field is really good. I didn't expect it to be this good, and he's a guy I'd be comfortable having on my list. I just think the other guys are better. That's my honest opinion. I honestly think the worst two lists we're going to have is going to be left field and second base, and we've already covered second base. So Yeah, um, I agree there. Center field's not tremendously deep. I think it's top-heavy, kind of like third bases. I mean, I could you could argue that this is top-heavy as well, but yeah. uh, um, uh, my number nine – it was already talked about. Starling Marte. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I have a bit of bias. I really just don't like him. I don't know why. I'm just not a big Starling Marte guy. Uh, his defense has been progressively getting worse, and he transferred from right or to center field from center field to right field, so that you take a defensive hit there, at least in value. Uh, there's nothing, oh my God, about his bat in all honesty, and it's a high expected batting average, which correlates with his high actual batting average. He doesn't walk. He doesn't hit the ball overly hard. He's kind of just an above average contact hitter, but he's just not a good as good as the guys ahead of him. Uh I'm 100 percent on Brad's page. This is where I had Marte. His no, percentiles are nothing crazy. 292 average with a I mean a 136 WRC plus is very, very good. But again, nothing's popping off the page. Nothing is like I literally wrote nothing crazy. Like he's he's a very good player in a very good or he's not a very good player. He's a good player in a very, very tough position. So I think I think nine suits him well. Yeah, I think you could actually gain a lot from being in center field. Yes. All right. Now going into number eight, I just I feel like this could be one of two players. Um, it can either be George Springer or Teoscar Hernandez. Is that true for you guys? Yeah. All right. I had mm-hmm. Teoscar Hernandez eight. Um, looking at his percentile, something that did surprise me is his consistently high speed percentiles, yet never stealing more than twelve bases in a season. Um, obviously the glove out there isn't crazy. The arm strength uh, is, is a cannon. Um. Last five seasons, this guy has really been mashing at the plate. But a bit of a concern I have, like a red flag, is that his highest strikeout, he has a high strikeout, low walk rate. He's a good pure hitter. You know, he got he got the pure hitting stats, but he lacks that plate discipline. And going into like his age, I think like what, 32 season, 30 something? Uh, uh, 31. Going into his age 31 season, it's maybe a little bit too late to, you know, make that that change. But I have him this low because the guys above him are actually crazy. Um. And also, if he's not hitting, he's not producing anywhere else. He's not walking, not stealing bases. There's no offensive production outside of his pure bat, and the defense definitely does not make up for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I had him also at eight. I said he's an absolute fantastic power bat uh, when he makes contact. He has a career 29.4 strikeout rate. Tom said he doesn't walk much. Uh, I wrote that he's a perennial ball punisher when he hits the ball. Uh, he loves punishing balls. Yeah, uh, yeah. He hits the ball in the optimal zone with the optimal launch angle at the optimal exit velocity for a ton of success. He just doesn't do it often enough. That's really what it comes down to. 
Uh, this is also I had to ask her. Um, I'm gonna also while I'm talking about him transition into Springer. They both are pretty eerily similar players. If you look at their their Stev stats, they both had a 267 average. Springer had a better WRC plus at 132 to uh, Teoscar's 129, uh, a 4.2 WAR to 2.4 for Springer, um, an OPS of 814 to 807, and then Teoscar won in Babbitt 335 to George Springer's 285. And then Springer plays much better defense in right field. So overall, I think these two players are very comparable to one another. I just think, I think Springer takes the edge. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a guy with a history of some injury problems. I, If you'd asked me, this is similar to Bo Bichette. I, I would have thought he played 90 games last year. He played 130. Yep. Um, you got a good sample there. Um, he's been one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball for like the last five, six seasons. Um, you got an above-average bat with the high upside that we saw in 2019. Obviously, juiced baseballs, but my God, that was an amazing bat back in the day. Uh, you got an above-average glove. That gives you kind of a, a well-rounded right fielder. I feel like it fits in the seven because the next six are absolutely insane. Um, there's there's like a very large gap between George Springer and the next guys, um, but doesn't strike out a ton, walks a good amount, still producing in Toronto, and I, I expect that to continue. I'm also so, gonna say he was he 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 was hurt a lot, and I think the move from center field to right field is definitely gonna help him a lot. I agree. Um, so I'm kind of on the fence here. George Springer was the guy I happened to forget about. Um, it's him or Harper, and Harper's solely on the injury. He's going to play two months this season. And that hurts his value so much. Two or three months. That's half the season. That's why he's so low on my list. He's supposed to be out until the All-Star game, which is early July, if not a little bit after. Yeah, he won't play right field. And I think Harper's my seven. Just Bryce Harper is a fantastic baseball player. We saw it at his pinnacle last last postseason. Um, He is probably higher if he's healthy. He's probably top three or four of he's healthy in all honesty, but he's not. And that's what you have to enter the season with. Uh, this season proved he's worth every single penny. Uh, and he's thrown to the right field because we're not doing DH. Uh, the only season in StatCast era history, which goes back to 2015, when Harper was was not in the top 10% of the league in Exwoba was 2016 when he arguably had his second worst season ever. So, and that was seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, and Stavs, then, I want to see where you weigh into this because I might be a little adaptive on my list here because I had Harper pretty high considering the injury. Stavs, what do you got? I had Harper coming up next at six. Oh, okay. He again, he played 99 games last season. He won't play until after the All Star break, and after the All Star break, he's going to play DH until probably the postseason at best. He might not play right field at all this season. But we have to talk about him because he is technically a right fielder. I feel like in order not to completely screw up the ordering, because we're gonna have like this consensus vote at the end, I feel like I should put Bryce Harper at six because that makes sense. I feel like I should shift him down. I really wasn't weighing in too much of the injury. I was just kind of saying once he comes in, once he comes in at the All Star break, he will be this good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't have him at I mean, two or one. That's fair. Like, like you have to when we talk when we talk about when we get the Tatis for left field, we have to take into account he's gonna miss the first. 20 games yeah but that's 20, not game, 20 games versus yeah. 90 like, games is yeah it's still it's still gonna well, be well i guess I'm, i'll go I'm through my notes i'll go through my notes on bryce harper at my number six spot i said through his ucl injury still put together one of the best postseasons in history um what's to say he doesn't come back just like he left off he was playing at the highest level through that injury and i just don't see him stopping when he comes back uh it kind of makes me happy to see how much he's grown as a player 
Um, you know, he has one of the best approaches at the plate in baseball. He's kind of evolved over time. He was this super high strikeout guy at the beginning of his career, you know, swinging out of his shoes. And now, I mean, in his last season, the MVP season, he had an OPS plus of 179. That is insane. Almost as insane as his 2015 season, which was actually the one of the best seasons I've ever seen. Um, and in his last season, last year, in a season plagued with injury, he still managed to put up a 145 OPS plus. I think he's truly changed his game, and I'm curious to see how he comes back from Tommy John. Um, That's fair. I had Springer at six. I mean, you guys talked about him. You guys said enough yep. about him. His defense is really good. He's a well-rounded player. He's going to benefit from not having to take the impact of playing in center field. And even in his bad seasons, he's still well above average. So I think it's a great contract for the Blue Jays. And it's a good right fielder who would be lower than Bryce Harper if Bryce Harper was healthy. Uh, heading down to number five, this is where we're going to start to get a little bit controversial, I think. Uh, let me see who my number five is. Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is an absolute stud of a baseball player, but I have him, quote, so low because the people ahead of him are so ridiculously good, and the knee kind of hindered his outfield defense last year. His defense has never been great, but it was horrible last year. Um, never been an outstanding fielder, and he has one of the best arms in baseball. The speed is still tremendous. He swiped 29 bags in 119 games. He had some bad, batted ball luck that dragged his numbers down, but he strikes out a considerable amount. Who doesn't nowadays? He still walks a good amount. That's good. Uh, his percentiles were great, and it's a good sign for 2023. He just has to prove it again. I think that's a fair argument. I agree. Uh, I agree on every single point that you made. Uh, he is number five. He just cracks the top five because Harper will be out for a large majority of the season. I would have hit Harper above him, probably above the next guy too, if Harper wasn't out for as long. It's it's debatable, but you have to look at it. Um, Acuna is a very good player. The injury. The injury is the big thing, right? Like he clearly was not healthy last year, and he's not playing in the World Baseball Classic, right? He opted out. Correct. Um, so again, like, so maybe that injury is still lingering with him. So now he's, he's going to, maybe it's he's not going to come back fully healthy like we were anticipating when you have an expected woba in the 95th percentile in your worst season you know you're doing something pretty good uh in 2021 he was the clear-cut mvp favorite up until his injury when, when you think of a five-tool player you think of this guy he's got speed plower walks the plate got a cannon for an arm uh i mean the glove brad i mean we talk about this um like when you when you can get to balls more so than like slower players your outs above average are going to be affected by that. You know, a guy, like, if you put Dan, Dan Vogelback in center field, he's not going to get to a ball that George Springer can make an error on. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the ground covered also matters a lot. Base, I, I think outs above average accounts for that. It does? Yeah. Because basically, basically the way outs above average works, right, is there's a catch probability to it. And it's rated on a scale of one to five stars. Obviously, like, a one-star play is, like, a routine fly ball. Five stars are leaping, diving, catch, 5% probability. You're not punished by what you don't get to. You're rewarded for what you get to. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like, I'm saying, I'm saying like for players that get to the ball and then mess up, you know, I'm saying like Ronald Acuna runs 20 feet in to get a ball and then bobbles it, a ball that Daniel Vogelback would have just been a single for, you know, I'm saying like that type of thing. You're going to be punished with an error for that while the other players. There's no errors from baseball savant. Yeah, but th does that, that, that that's not the point. I, I'm saying this guy's very good. I, I think he's very good. <laughs> I I think his percentiles are 
are insane still. I don't know why they didn't translate directly yet, but we see some luck being being factored in here. Um, I think he's going to have another prove-it season. He has to prove it again. Um, yeah. You know, he's got to work his way back up. But I think at a, at a point, he was one of the best in the game, and I think he will reclaim that spot eventually. Right. Number four. I'm going to say yeah. it first. It's Kyle Tucker. Okay. Okay. I think I, think we're, I think I honestly think we all have the, the same. Top we should five. we should be in the same conversation here. Like these five guys are crazy. I mean, the next three are like borderline automatic Hall of Famers at this point. Dude, I, mean, I hate they, putting Kyle Tucker I mean, this low. I hate putting him this low. I mean, yeah, but the next three are literally the three greatest players so, right now. Kyle Tucker is an extremely complete player. You look at this guy. And you, you you see Kyle Tucker. He, he doesn't look like he'd be threatening 30-30 seasons while having amazing defense out on right field. He's a funky player. You know, he's somehow in the 32nd percentile for speed while finishing second in stolen bases among right field. I don't understand. He's really got a really good baseball IQ. Uh, in comparison to his 2021 season, it's a bit of a drop-off, but it's not saying that much uh, considering how good he was last year. And I expect him to come back even stronger this season. I Kyle Tucker is very good. I hate putting him this low. He's so good. Like, let me give me a Kyle Tucker on my team. I mean, I have one. He's number three. Um, I hate putting Kyle Tucker on this list so low. It was between him and the next guy for third place. Um, my deciding vote was basically WRC plus in all honesty. And the guy that's next is 15 points above him. And that's pretty that's a pretty good gap. Uh the speed doesn't doesn't jump off the page, but he's like a he's a brilliant base runner. Like, and that's kind of hard to quantify. Like, he's a threat on the base pass in a way that doesn't always reflect in the stat book. Uh, a bad year by his standards is 29% above average. And he walks a ton. He doesn't chase a ton. He doesn't whiff a ton. He's got good defense. He's got a great arm. Give me Kyle Tucker, please. Astros, you got to send this man like $300 million. He's a three. If he hit free agency next offseason, he would make $300 million. Probably, although I'm not sure how they weigh in how long he's been doing this for. Because he came up in what 2019? Yeah, 2020. He's had three good seasons. Yeah. So, but I I think Kyle Tucker once he reaches free agency will be one of the biggest signings we've seen just because of how good he is. Yeah. I think I think it's gonna shock a lot of people that don't actually know a lot about Kyle Tucker that he he will make that much money. But when I was writing my notes for for Tucker, I literally wrote he is four, and my mind my top four was not changing. Um, so do you want me to go into a number three? Sure. We should all be on the same page. You might yeah. It's yeah. Mookie Betts. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, Mookie Betts, very good player. Literally like one of, he's what, one of the greatest players, um, in a long time. LA Dodgers have, LA Dodgers have their right fielder locked up for the next 70 years. It feels like, and Mookie Betts is going to play defense. He's going to hit the ball pretty hard. He's going to bring a lot of fun to the clubhouse. I love watching Mookie Betts every day. It's nice to turn on the TV and see Mookie Betts hitting either second or first on your team. It's pretty nice. Uh, He consistently puts up high war. He plays good defense. He kind of had an off-season last year at defense, but he was like really injury-played with his hip, and he's back to that. Uh, He gets on base. He hits for power at 5'9". He's brilliant on the base pass. He has respectable strikeout numbers. He's just so continuously good. I mean, he's 30 now, and he's still producing on both sides. I, I mean, I think when when I looked back, um, obviously look at his page, look at his previous numbers, his 2016 and 2018 years were absolutely crazy. I mean, 
those numbers will not be matched for a very long time. I like, if you look at his 2018 percentiles, I think they were like all 100. I, I, he was one of the best hitters, one of the best complete player seasons I've seen ever. I mean, in my life, I haven't been alive that long, but Mookie Betts' 2018 MVP season was one of my favorite seasons to watch from him. And he's hitting the most home runs of his whole career in his ninth season. I, I he just seems to be getting a little bit better. I mean, it might be a plate, uh, it might be like a slightly different approach. Obviously, saw a drop in the expected batting average for more power, but that may be something he's willing to sacrifice, especially considering he has good glove and all around good player. You're just getting so much from Mookie Betts, and it's a steal for the Dodgers at this point. Yeah, I, I enjoy having him. It's really nice. I, I will nope. Uh, and going into number two, I hope you guys got this right. It's Juan Soto. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. not really when you're talking about the next guy who literally had a historic season. Juan Soto has to come in second. I'm not saying Juan Soto is a bad player, but it's just in the imagination. I wish he was still playing right field for my team, but unfortunately now he's in San Diego. Uh, he's a very good hitter. We talk about him a bunch. He gets very unlucky and needs to work on um, what his uh bat path and not popping the ball up. Is that and stuff like that? Yeah, launch angle went up like seven percent last year. Um, or no, it was the fly ball percentage went up seven percent. Yeah, and he needs to get a better glove because negative sixteen ounce above average is terrible. And I don't know how he was a Gold Glove finalist last year. Um, but that. I don't I, I don't understand that. Um, I wish someone at the MLB could tell us how that happened. But again, Juan Soto is a complete player. He's a once-in-a-generational talent, and it's just the the guy coming next is is was sensational last year. He's the Juan Soto is the second best pure hitter in baseball. He happens to be the second best right fielder in baseball. The guy at one isn't the best pure hitter, but his his season was atrocious. It was abysmal. It was disgruntling. It was bad. It was horrendous. It was outright disappointing. And he had an 853 OPS. Yeah. He led the league in walks. He hit 242 and had a 401 on base percentage. He was in the top 1% of the league in XWOBA. His defense was That's like, what I was going to say. I was waiting to say that. I was just itching for it. Yeah. I mean, he also had a 266 expected batting average. Yeah. He walks more than he strikes out. That's a career 19% walk rate. This yeah. is this stuff we haven't seen since Barry Bonds, the GOAT. I'm sorry, Brad. Continue. I'm just you watched I'm the just, video, I, right? The Barry Bonds video. There's a video circling around YouTube of like why Barry Bonds is so hated. It's a good it's a good watch. I would Brad, go watch I sent it. that to you yesterday. I want no, I know because I you sent, sent it. Oh, I yeah, watched I, I literally I watched it like five minutes before I watched it like five minutes before you sent it. God, he's so good, man. Even through all the adversity, man. Uh Soto's only noticeable issue in terms of hitting was that his run value results were a little bit less diverse than 2021 which allowed him to probably be a little bit more pitchable. That's like scratching for issues. Well, yeah, hold on. I want to pull this up really quick because I, I think I think it was Juan Soto that I was looking at earlier. I think in his career, hold on, I'm just scrolling down. He has had a negative run value versus three total pitches in his career for individual seasons. Wasn't like, one of them like a knuckleball with like um, two I'll pitches? It's like <laughs> no, it was it was a slider. I think the yes. slider was the one he's we he struggled on the most. But now he's just, I mean, he he's always hit fastballs. He's always hit the fastball well. And you know, it's just now, I I don't know. I this guy's so good. All of his expected stats are so much better than his actual stats. And this is a guy that will one hundred percent benefit from the shift ban. Um, I, I don't see why he doesn't take over baseball next year. I think this is an MVP favorite. 
I think this is not a, not a dark horse pick either. You know, like this is a guy that will feast on that new rule. Um, in 2021, Juan Soto had an average run value of 115.3 against lobbed pitches. Just thought that's I'd a put good that stat. Out there. Um, and coming into number one, we have the man who just put up arguably the best season we've ever seen in our lives. We have Aaron Judge. Giants legend. I he, I don't need, I didn't even write anything down. Did you guys write anything down? I just wrote I did. Hey, just... Uh, hold on, hold on. Who's a Giants legend? Because not Aaron Judge. A- a- it's Aaron arson. Judge. It's arson. Judge. He he was on fire last season. Um, dude, he's still on the market. Yeah, for real. You should pick him up. You guys still need infield depth, um, and probably a shortstop or a third baseman. Or you know anywhere. Or you really, you really need a shortstop. Um, and then. So Aaron Judge literally just broke the American League home run record. He had, in terms of WRC+, plus, the ninth, 19th best season ever, and it's the ninth if you removed Bonds and Ruth. The 18th in terms of F4, ninth if you remove the name Bonds and Ruth. And we went over this when we did our award show way back over yonder. He was in the 100th percentile or 99th percentile for every single batted ball metric. He hit them pretty hard. I, I don't know, man. What happened? This was a guy that was like, when he first came in the league, you're like, this is a power threat. This is a, like a Pete Alonso type guy he, before Pete Alonso came in the league. Obviously, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a one-dimensional player. And he has become one of the most complete players in baseball. Now he's got a good glove, got a great arm. I don't know how fast he is, but he's got long-ass legs, so it's okay. Um, And, you know, this is a guy that is just going to produce – who literally, literally carried his team to the postseason. I'm not going to say without him they wouldn't have made it, but they were – yeah, I, th- I think that he won them games, I mean, multiple times. Yeah, he, he carried that team. There's no, there's no – and I, it's honestly like we're going to talk about it in a little bit when we talk about the Yankees, but I'm worried for the Yankees because, A, either Judge somehow puts up another historic season, which I think is highly unlikely, or he regresses a little bit and the Yankees regress with him. I'm just curious. This is a random question. Um, do you think how many how many games do you think the Giants would have won if we had gotten Aaron Judge this season? More than I don't, what you're going to like 2022 they had him or 2023 they had him. I mean, just like I, I mean, obviously, like you assume they give him like a seven year deal. What's the ceiling for our wins for the first like two or three years? I feel like it's still probably like 86, 88 wins because there's not much around him there. How many did they have last year? 81 and 81 they were the definition of mid i was saying i'd say they could get to 90 especially because you did add other pieces but here's the thing they added those pieces because they didn't get him yeah no not hanniger hanniger was after judge no No. hanniger was hanniger was planned hanniger was before right and And, it was before because he tweeted out to him yep um and i think so i think they did add a couple pieces they got him and I'm not, I'm, and maybe this next up, upcoming offseason, they'd go out and get somebody else too. Like, like if they got Judge, I think the entire Giants organization would be flipped, flipped upside down. I'm not going to honest. But no, I was didn't. flipped upside down that night. I checked my Twitter page, dude. Okay. It's just, it's never been the same. Since. You had him for seven minutes. Best seven minutes of my life, dude. I was literally filming a TikTok to post for you guys that Aaron Judge was a San Francisco Giant. And this then is he was point. It wasn't, and then they took it back. I was walking out of the gym. I was stretching, and they posted it. And then I walked out of the gym about a film in my car, 
You're like, Brad, you suck. And then follow up. And then it was, yeah. Tom, you suck. Thank you for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We will be back. On, we will be back on Friday. If you want to interact with us at all, be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, anything else in between. Uh, I highly suggest going to check this episode out on YouTube. There was a couple uh, moments on Facecam that may benefit from seeing. Uh, if you've enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating, a review, or a suggestion. We will see you all next time. Peace.